This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This month marks two years of the podcast and so far the only guest I've spoken to twice is Rosanna Davison. And I suppose all you can offer is your compassion and support and love and, um, you know, do your best, I suppose, just to to show that you um, are there to support them. Then there are others who, like me, there was no sort of medical explanation really for not being able to have a baby, but it did just all come together in, in whatever way it did and it all worked out. So I suppose for those people, I want to be able to show that, you know, miracles really do happen, and especially when you least expect them as well, and to give them that sense of hope. Rosie lives in Dublin with her husband Wes and their three kids, daughter Sophia and identical twin boys Hugo and Oscar. And this episode is a natural follow-on from her first conversation as she shares some of the revelations in her brand new book, When Dreams Come True, including having another miscarriage in February 2020, just before their twin boys were conceived, and how the number 11 seems to show up wherever she goes. Here it is. I'm so happy that you said yes to having this conversation because in the two years of the podcast so far, you're the first guest to return for a follow-up chat. And, you know, we're speaking, and I didn't even realise at the time that this is Baby Loss Awareness Week. So it feels mm. it feels once again like this was meant to be. Yeah, I think the timing is really good, really for for your situation and mine and our stories and how our stories, you know, how they sort of mirror each other in certain ways. Um, yeah. you've, you're obviously heading towards the end of your pregnancy and I'm so happy for you. Um, and you. it's, you know, it's, it's such an exciting time for you too. So exciting and I feel really lucky, but it's, yeah. um, I, I now get it, you know, I now, mm. I now understand what it's like to be pregnant after experiencing loss and it's, it's different. It is different. The last time we spoke, uh, it was the 11th of July last year. And it was, I think, about a week or two before you officially announced you were pregnant with Hugo and Oscar, which yeah. I think blew everybody's. I know it blew your mind when you heard the news first, but certainly as as a people, I mean, I think the Irish nation just kind of 
took a huge intake of breath and just went, wow. I've since spoken about how how long it took me to feel ready to even tell my closest friends about the pregnancy. Um, I had so many different complex emotions to work through before that. And, um, you know, as I've said recently, obviously joy, gratitude, excitement were amongst the the main emotions I was feeling as it became apparent that I was pregnant with two, not even one healthy baby, two healthy babies. But also, um, and this is something I've I've spoken about um, just in the last kind of week or so, is this sort of strong survivor's guilt feeling. Mm. And it was an emotion I didn't anticipate because, you know, I never expected to be in the position of being pregnant in the first place. For all um, intents and purposes, I thought I was the girl who couldn't have a baby and I'd been told by a doctor that it was unlikely I'd ever carry my own. So to find myself, you know, heading towards a healthy full-term pregnancy last year, I had this sense that I shouldn't be so lucky. Um, I had a guilt towards every other kind of woman and man out there who hasn't been as lucky as we have, you know, finding ourselves here in this situation with three healthy babies. And it took a long time really to to work through that and to sort of tell myself that I had been through so much already that I should start feeling just excited and grateful for what was happening. But I couldn't help but feeling, you know, just guilty for for everyone else who hasn't been so lucky um, and the people that are still fighting to have their families and they're much long for children. So there was that and um, I suppose the anxiety we just touched on there a few minutes ago, the anxiety of being pregnant after loss. Um, as you said, it steals your miscarriage, steals your innocent about, innocence about pregnancy and the idea that pregnancy just should be a, a joyful, natural sort of experience full of love and, you know, gratitude for for growing life it it Mm. steals that sort of sense of innocence and I cringe a little bit looking back to when we first started trying for a baby when I used to think it would be just so easy and straightforward and so yeah so when I saw you last year I was still trying to work through all of that and to reverse what I thought I knew about myself which was that my whole identity was at that stage wrapped up in being the girl who had a baby through surrogacy and um, I was very comfortable with that. So, you know, us women are landed with an awful lot of complex mm, emotions, I yeah. think. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying completely. I mean, obviously, you know, your your experience is yours, mine is mine. And and mm. while there are similarities, there are differences too. But I do yeah. I do get what you're saying a hu- hugely in terms of when I announced I was pregnant this time around, I felt a massive sense of responsibility to mm. the people who would say, watch the d- miscarriage documentary that we were mm. both part of that that was made for TGCAD. And the amount of people that reached out to me, and on a, I know that p- far more have reached out to you and shared their experience. You know, you kind of, mm. you work through all these different things. And, mm. and I did get a lot of messages from people saying, you know, thank you for being mindful. Thank you for the way you said it, but also you're entitled to feel happy. And I thought that was really lovely to hear and and, and important to be said. And like that, when you announced your news, there was such an overwhelming sense of joy for you and 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 for both of you, for everything you'd been through. I don't think there was a person um, that wouldn't have felt anything but wow, isn't this amazing? And I think yeah. it just, I think it showcases the type of person you are, that you were very mindful of that and very cognizant of it. Because um, mm. you don't forget what you've been through on a difficult journey and you, you don't forget the people who haven't been able to experience that sense of, of joy of being pregnant yet. And, you know, the outpouring of love and support and all of that shown to us. I mean, last year and this year, we're just so incredibly grateful for that. So I just want to you know, say thank you to everyone who's reached out and been so kind to us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's meant a huge amount to have that. And um, so, it, you know, it just just Irish people are so lovely. Mm. You know, it was just so nice of them. And um, yeah, it just it just helped the, the whole experience for for me and Wes to have that support as well behind us. Yeah. So a month after we sat down to have the chat for the podcast, we also sat down outside 
um, and you and all your pregnancy glory. Of course, the news was, was out no. at this stage. <laughs> and there was no hiding it. I mean, you know, no. twin pregnancy gets big very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I was in with you the, the previous month doing the podcast, I was able to hide my my bump under a big scarf and <laughs> yeah. a, a big jacket. And I'd met friends earlier that week and they must have thought I was bonkers wearing all these oversized clothes and the weather was quite warm. <laughs> it was summertime. And, you know, I was there popping into the supermarket in a big oversized winter coat. So <laughs> just the, the practicalities alone made it impossible to hide it anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it was great to see you then embrace it and enjoy it and yeah. and be the epitome of the glowing pregnant woman, which you absolutely were. So, look, here we are. It's October 2021. Your book, Dreams Come True, has just been released. Massive congratulations on it. Thank you so much. I I don't know either, to be perfectly (laughs) honest. But I think earlier in the year, I was still in a haze of just that newborn sort of exhaustion and trying to recover from pregnancy. And I I did do a large chunk of it um, last autumn when I was still pregnant and, you know, had a bit more time not an awful lot since Sophia was just little but um did a lot of it then and I went back to it then in February this year and I think when you're given a deadline you just find a way to get it done I I do remember it being stressful and having to get my mom in and various people to help out on certain days when I had to get more work done and I really had to speed up the process then towards the end but really from February to May this year um I did a lot of the book as well. And then suddenly, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought, oh, October is ages away. But then Mm. suddenly it's publication day and it's out. And, you know, this is the nice part now is being able to talk about it and share the, you know, more intimate details of the story. And really, there was nothing really that I I left out in terms of detail of our journey from the very beginning when we started trying to have a family in late 2015, right up until... um, really the boys were six months old was kind of the, the last stage of the book just describing family life and having you know three children under three under two sorry yeah. and um, you know so I did include all the details because when I was writing it I thought you know should I maybe not include so many of maybe the gory details about the experience of miscarriage and everything that goes on, the pain and the exhaustion. But then, you know, I wanted to give a very real and raw and personal account of the journey Wes and I have been on in the last few years. So, you know, I decided to just include um, all of the emotions and to really try to connect with the grief and the loneliness and the trauma of um, infertility and pregnancy loss, because it's, you know, no matter I think a person's journey and even the outcome of a person's journey, you know, we all do experience similar emotions when we're going through the process or going through the journey, whether you're having IVF or going through surrogacy or, you know, maybe you're just at the beginning and trying to get pregnant. There's that sense of the unknown um, that I really tried to capture in the book as well. And I think, you know, it'll be a powerful read for whoever, you know, buys the book and reads it. And I have no doubt it'll be a massive bestseller and it'll be in a lot of Christmas stockings for people as well. Um, But also for your kids in time when they're of an age, when they can read it and read back on on what like like what mum and dad went through and and (laughs) and how wanted and desired and loved they, you you know, they were from the beginning and, and how much that you guys wanted to have a family. Yeah. It'll just be beautiful. Well, I think I was only saying to someone the other day that by the, the stage that Sophia and Hugo and Oscar are old enough to read the book and, you know, understand it, I'll probably be really old and really embarrassing to them. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll be old, embarrassing mum. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Obviously, I wrote the book uh, for all of the women and men out there who... Um, have struggled or will struggle in the future to to have a family, um, you know, to try to normalise the conversation and the discourse around uh, pregnancy loss and infertility and IVF and surrogacy. And I think I was so sort of, I, I got so fed up actually of feeling ashamed and embarrassed and, you know, feeling like I should stay quiet about fertility um, back particularly back when I started sort of experiencing my difficulties or our difficulties in around 2016, 
I remember back then just feeling ashamed of my body, ashamed that I couldn't carry a baby. Um, you know, I was watching my friends all around me having seemingly effortless, easy, full term, healthy pregnancies and thinking, why can't I just get a baby to grow in my body? Mm. And then you know, being very much aware of the silence and the stigma surrounding pregnancy loss. And um, I think I just got fed up of not being confident and talking about it that I, you know, I did a lot of work on myself and I did a lot of work on trying to feel less ashamed and less embarrassed that I couldn't have a baby without help. Um, and, you know, I I want now for, for women and men to be able to talk openly about and fertility and maybe the difficulties they're having or the fears they have. And, you know, this is also for the people out there who may face it in the future as well. I want them to go into um, trying to have a family, you know, feeling that, well, it might not necessarily work first time around or there may be bumps along the way. But, you know, here is a story of hope and a story of survival and a story that miracles really do happen. Because I would have loved a story like ours you know, back four or five years ago. And I used to, um, you know, stay up late at night reading all these um, message boards and um, threads and things on fertility websites, just desperately looking for a story of hope and a story that things do work out. So, you know, I want my book to be able to be there for people um, going through difficulties. And you're so right when you're in it yourself and you are struggling are, you know, you are wanting something so much, but it hasn't Mm. happened yet. Mm. It's hearing somebody else's experience that, you know, through adversity, they have maybe achieved what you're hoping to achieve, regardless Mm. of what it is. It does. It does inspire you and it does give you that sense of, oh, it can happen to me, too. So Mm. what you're doing is really um, it's powerful and it's, it's so incredibly selfless. So, look, the first time we spoke, we had a really comprehensive conversation about your surrogacy journey. We spoke about miscarriage, but I just kind of want to to go back to January of last year. So January 2020, pre-COVID, Sophia is just a few weeks old at this stage and you're Mm. already kind of having the chats about getting the wheels in motion to um, try surrogacy again, to have a sibling for Sophia. We had, I had mentioned to our pregnancy coordinator over in Kiev um, after Sophia was born that, you know, we had had such a positive experience and obviously had our precious baby daughter out of it that, you know, I said to her, we'd love to try again for a sibling in the not too distant future. And she said, okay, well, you know, I'll have a chat with your surrogate um, when, you know, she's recovered sufficiently from childbirth and that was fine and we left it for a little while and it was actually the first of January 2020 I got a text message from our surrogate to say you know happy new year I just want to let you know that I would love to give you a sibling or try to give you a sibling for Sophia and she said she would be cleared medically cleared to get pregnant again in July 2020. Mm. So I remember just bursting into tears at this news. You know, it seemed like the perfect way to start the new year. She felt that she would be ready that summer. And I just sort of let go of all the anxieties I had about having a sibling for Sophia. I mean, we would have been absolutely delighted with our, our one baby and she was everything we had ever wished for. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, Wes comes from a family of, uh, of four. You know, he's two brothers and a sister and I have two brothers. And we did always feel like, you know, if we were lucky enough to have one child, then wouldn't it be fabulous just to have one more and just, you know, give mm. give the baby a, a brother or a sister because we had had such a nice experience with our families. Um, so that, you know, it, it just seemed wonderful that she was willing to go again. So Wes and I at this stage had completely stopped actively thinking about having a baby ourselves. Um, But I think when you're going through maybe a struggle with trying to get pregnant, you never totally stop trying either. You know, you always keep that element of hope. And I I thought, you know, I'll never prevent it from from happening. I had this fear of losing out on a monthly cycle for whatever reason. So, you know, you don't try to prevent it. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, So, but we, we just sort of forgot about it and looked forward to going through the process again last, you know, in what would have been July last year. And uh, it got to February anyway, 2020. And I remember feeling increasingly exhausted. And I put it down to obviously having a newborn. Sophia was two or three months old at that stage. And she 
had pretty erratic sleeping patterns as newborns do. Wes had gone back to work. So he was sleeping in the spare room and I was taking on all the nights and I'd gone back to work. I mean, I went over for um, an event in Germany in early February and, you know, my mum was helping out a lot. We didn't have childcare, so I was exhausted. And I remember it was about mid-February, Wes ordered an Indian takeaway and I smelt it and just my stomach turned and I felt so nauseous. And I had this funny nausea on and off, I remember, around the middle of that month. Again, I put it down to, I mean, I feel ridiculous even thinking about it now because I would have always known when I was pregnant. Um, My body just would have felt different immediately. But when you're in that sort of exhausted state with a newborn, you kind of put everything down to just being sleep deprived course, and I just yeah. thought well I'm obviously not eating properly I was you know probably drinking too much coffee not eating enough nourishing food relying on you know snacks a lot so I put it all down to that mm. um and then towards the end of February the exhaustion started to lift and I, I began to feel better and I just thought okay obviously we're getting more sleep now she's kind of sleeping five hours straight and you know I put it down to that mm. so I went on the late late show last year at the end of February and um uh, you know talked about my, my miscarriage history and th- the surrogacy process with Sophia and that was lovely and the response was wonderful after that but it was the very next day I um, began to bleed and I thought at the time well I haven't had a period in a couple of months because obviously I've been so tired my body's all over the place so this is obviously a good sign that my body is beginning to balance itself again thought nothing of it a few days went by it was a bit patchy on and off and on the Tuesday evening I um, was changing Sophia downstairs in the kitchen and I began to get this intense cramping I mean so bad I had to lie down with a hot water bottle And after a few minutes of sort of lying down, I said, "Okay, I'm going to stand up and go to the bathroom because um, I I felt sick with the pain. And I stood up and just an awful lot of blood came out. Um, Sorry. And this is what I was saying earlier. There's no way of explaining the realities of of a miscarriage at home without talking about the the more... Um, you know, squeamish parts for some people. But um, anyway, I ran to the bathroom and Wes came after me and he was saying, are you okay? What's happening? I said, no, it's just a heavy period. It's obviously just a buildup from the last couple of months. I'll be fine. And, um, you know, it didn't take long before then I was lying on the bathroom floor, curled up in a ball with the pain. I mean, it was just the most excruciating cramps. Um, You know, when you break out into a cold sweat then if you're going through something painful. And at this stage, there was you know, quite a lot of blood um, and tissue and bits and pieces. And um, But I kept saying to Wes, no, it's just a period. I can't have a baby. You know, I, I couldn't have been, it couldn't be anything else. I mean, I was convinced. Mm-hmm. And so it was about nine o'clock in the evening and Wes said, no, I'm ringing your mom. I'm not happy with the amount of blood you're losing. So he rings my mom and she comes rushing over, takes one look at me and brings me into Hollis Street Maternity Hospital. And they were very good. They, they scan me immediately. They take um, a urine test and uh, tissue samples to the lab. And they come back quite about 20 minutes later and say, well, we can confirm you actually were pregnant. Um, the, the lab has, has confirmed um, presence of pregnancy tissue. I was saying, no, that's not possible. You know, it's yeah. just simply my body can't do that. And so the nurse said, you know, when was your last period? I said 19th of December. So we counted then forward and I would have been 10 and a half weeks pregnant. And I remember her, the nurse, you know, gently saying, I'm so sorry. There's a counselling service if you'd like to avail of it. Please let me know if there's anything we can do to support you. And I remember smiling at her with this excitement, just saying, I can't believe I've got to 10 and a half weeks pregnant. My body has made pregnancy tissue. I've never even got past six and a half weeks. This is amazing. And I think her reaction totally or my reaction totally shocked her because, you know, it's not what you expect. And I said to her, you know, I have a beautiful three month baby to go home to. I'll be absolutely fine. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And my mom was kind of smiling as well, going, Rosie, I can't believe this. So it was at that stage where, you know, it was just a, a bizarre series of events, really, where I thought that gave me a glimmer of hope. And I just thought, is there some way something has happened in my body whether it's just the settling down into life with a newborn or switching off my head and not thinking about trying to have a baby myself I think maybe the the text from the surrogate because I would have got pregnant around that day or the following day Mm. um so maybe the text from the surrogate did something 
to relax me. I don't know. And there's no medical or scientific way we can ever say. And I have talked to, to my doctor as well. And there's nothing we can say that confirms either way what, what had happened in a physiological sense. Um, but but your, gut, your gut feeling, though, tells you that. My gut feeling is something switched off yeah. um, inside of me. And I know that you're a believer as oh, well in, in sort of letting go. Yeah. Um, so maybe I just took the pressure off and anxiety reduced. So that was um, amazing. And I remember that night as well in hospital, a separate doctor and a nurse both said to me, you know, you're, you're going to be extra fertile after a miscarriage at this stage. So, you know, if you don't want, you know, to get pregnant so soon after, then just be a little bit careful. But was I careful? No, I was the opposite <laughs> of careful. Um, I thought this is amazing. Whereas we can't miss this opportunity. We just have to you know, see what happens yeah. this next month. And um, so anyway, COVID came along, lockdown happened. We all know how that felt. There was an awful lot of anxiety and um, terror, I, I suppose, in the outside world. And we all looked on in horror at what was going on in Northern Italy and China. But mm. within our little bubble at home, we really relaxed into our routine. And it felt so lovely I think to just be at home the three of us together with our baby and you know I didn't have to put pressure on myself to go and go out to work or worry about having to get a baby ready and myself ready to go out and do something so whatever happened I, I relaxed as a lot of people did I suppose um, back then Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It got to mid-April. My birthday is the 17th of April. And I remember feeling sort of tired and sort of lightheaded around then. And um, the day after my birthday, um, Wes caught me crying. I mean, randomly at all sorts of things. I remember him walking into the kitchen saying, Rosie, I've caught you crying like at five things today. What is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. I just feel really emotional. And, um, you know, that was a little bit out of character for me. I wouldn't be that much of a, a crier. But um, the following morning, anyway, I was still feeling lightheaded. So I said, I'll take a pregnancy test and see what happens. And I had no idea what stage I was at at my cycle then. Um, I hadn't had another period at that stage. And I think after a miscarriage as well, your cycle goes a little bit off. And yeah. so you're not sure of where you're at. So I took a test and two strong pink lines came up immediately. Mm. And I went downstairs and showed it to Wes and we kind of looked at each other and went, oh, this again. You know, there was no sense of excitement as maybe you'd feel if it was the first time you'd taken a test and that really relates back to the the innocence being stolen from pregnancy I think and mm. um, so we just thought okay we'll just see what happens I had thought I was about six and a half to seven weeks pregnant so I texted um 
a doctor I'd seen previously in um, Hollis Street and just said to him, you know, I was in last month for having a, a very painful um, miscarriage out of the blue. So what do you think I should do? And he said, well, come in next week and we'll scan you. So I went in the following week. Now, this is sort of towards kind of the last week in April, say. And this and is also the height of restrictions. So height of restrictions. Yeah. I hadn't left the house barely. I had to get past a guard at checkpoint. But obviously I was allowed to go into an early pregnancy scan, you know, for any medical reasons we were allowed out. Yeah. And so I went Wait, in. So you and were the, on your own. I was on my own, of course. Yeah, yeah I was, yeah. Um, was home with Sophia and he wasn't allowed to any of my scans that year yeah. or last year. Um, so went in and the doctor scanned me and he detected a sack, but it was empty. And he'd said, look, I'm really sorry, but if you're at the stage you think you are, which is six and a half to seven weeks, we, we would be able to see something there and a heartbeat. Mm. So I was a little bit disappointed, but I mean, it was nothing new to me. I was used to disappointment. So rang Wes as I was leaving and just said, look, I'm, I'm sorry, it's it's not going to work. Um, we're going to have to just knuckle down and get through. I was assuming I was going to have another miscarriage in the next week or so so went home and sort of prepared myself mentally for it to happen again and obviously being in lockdown I I wasn't seeing my family you know there was that sort of element of a lack of support Mm. as well so when nothing happened over the weekend I actually felt increasingly tired um, and a little bit nauseous as well I said to the doctor, you know, nothing's happened so he said to come in again for another scan um, because it does sometimes happen that women get their dates wrong and so went in again and he scanned me and this time and I had I have it all on film because I was filming it to show Wes and this time he detected a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and of course I burst into tears and it was just the most amazing experience to finally get to the stage I'd never seen a heartbeat on a scan before I'd never got to that point so this was amazing in itself and so second week in a row I rang Wes on the just on the way out and said, you'll never guess there's a heartbeat. But we agreed that we wouldn't tell anyone or, you know, get too excited about it. So that was that. And then the doctor wants to keep a close eye on me. So he got me in for a third week for a third scan. And that day, you know, I was really excited to see my tiny developing baby and see how it was doing. And, you know, everything felt right in terms of, you know, I was feeling increasingly hormonal as you do in early pregnancy. And bloated as well. I couldn't believe how bloated I was so early on. Um, But he scanned me again. And as he was scanning, we both saw the original um, embryo with the heartbeat. Um, But sort of beside it, we both spotted a shape. And I shrieked. I said, it's twins. There are two in there, isn't there? And he goes, "Um, just a second. And let me check. So he he ushers in a nurse as well. So for a second sort of opinion. And we all peer at the screen and there to the left of the original baby was another developing baby with a heartbeat as well. And just the feeling of, you know, he, he confirmed, he said, yep, there are two in there and they're in separate sacks, um, but sharing a placenta, which means they're identical twins. Wow. And just the, uh, I'll just never forget it. The, the, I suppose the language out of me was one thing I could <laughs> I didn't know what to say except swear. Um, but again, I have it all on film, so I'll be able to show them all one day, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then for the third week in a row, on the way out, I ring Wes. And I, I said, I hope you're sitting down. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> there are two in there. Yeah, and wow. I mean, to go from being the girl who I thought, you know, I wasn't able to even have one baby to actually having two in there was extraordinary. So I told my parents as well and lots of excitement, but they were pragmatic about it. And we, we all agreed that it was early days. I was only about seven weeks at this stage um, and to just not get too excited. But the rest then, I mean, you know, the rest is history. And it yeah. was Hugo and Oscar um, developing in there. And But it took me a long time to really believe that it would happen and it would work out. And I was closely monitored. I mean, being a twin pregnancy by its very nature means that it's considered high risk, especially as they were sharing placenta. So I was in at the beginning for weekly scans and then they became fortnightly scans. And, you know, I think it's very reassuring when you start to feel movement as well. Um, It just it made me, you know, connect with the pregnancy, I suppose, every day between scans. 
Um, but it was probably 27, 28 weeks before I actually thought, OK, this is really happening. Um, you know, getting to the first week of viability, 24 weeks um, was nice. I mean, I was quite relieved at that stage. Um, but I remember my doctor saying, you know, once we get to about 28, 30 weeks, the twins have a very good chance of survival if anything happens. And then the aim was really to get me to 32 weeks and beyond. Um, and in a twin pregnancy, I mean, as I said earlier, you get very big very quickly. And by about 27, 28 weeks, I was really, I felt big and, you know, it was a struggle to kind of move around. So sure. you're kind of grateful not to ever get to the 40 weeks. Um, the plan was to deliver them at 36 weeks. Um, but in the end, they arrived at 35. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just looking back it was just it seems to have gone very fast the whole pregnancy but it was just a very smooth um healthy pregnancy and um i still find it hard to believe i still look at the boys and think where did you come from did you actually come out of me um i yeah. still i still can't believe it but well as as you said here like we are <laughs> here you are and i mean you're you're doing it you're juggling like a mad thing <laughs> with the three of them and oh you're play, God, you're yeah. playing a blinder no you're amazing but <laughs> i know from the last uh, chat we had like you spoke about how you know you were it was explained to you on numerous occasions that you know um all the different reasons why perhaps you know, having having a pregnancy and continuing in, the, in your pregnancy was just not an option because of your supercharged immune system and, and various different reasons that were, that were given to you. So it must be so hard when you're told this by medical professionals and then and then this happens. So, you know, as I mentioned, when we sat down to have the chat for the miscarriage documentary, you, you, you know, you, you, you have defied science. And it's that's why, you know, we do speak about, you know, miracles happening and and things happening that there are no explanations for. Mm. These are examples of when it happens that you can you can be told X, Y and Z. You can have results on paper that yeah. say one thing, but sometimes a little bit of magic trickles in and and things mm. happen. And it's important to share those stories because if it happened to you and it's happened to somebody else, it can happen to other people too. Absolutely. I mean, in our case, I feel like everything aligned perfectly from from January 1st, getting the message from the surrogate to having the, the miscarriage, as shocking as it was and as, as painful and exhausting as it was at the time, I think it did something then to enable the, the next pregnancy to happen so kind of easily and, and quickly. And maybe maybe it even did something to enable twins to come along. I don't know. Yeah. But it all comes back to, I guess, the mystery of, of human reproduction. And, you know, the fact that we can so know so much from a medical and scientific perspective but really, it, it comes down to, you know, nature and, and what your body is doing. And, um, you know, in our case, yeah, it was just uh, and lockdown as well happening as well, I, I think, contributed to to it all working out. But, yeah, it just goes to show if that happened to us, then it can happen to to plenty of other um, couples, women and, and men out there, too. You and know, I'm very much aware and I, you know, I was throughout this whole process and writing the book as well, that, that for plenty of people out there, there is no option. I mean, they, they can't for whatever reason yeah. um, have a family themselves. And I suppose all you can offer is your compassion and support and love and, um, you know, do your best, I suppose, just to to show that you um, are there to support them. Then there are others who, like me, there was no sort of medical explanation really for not being able to have a baby, but it did just all come together in, in whatever way it did and it all worked out. So I suppose for those people, I want to be able to show that, you know, miracles really do happen and especially when you least expect them as well and to give them that sense of hope. Um, because that's all we really have as humans, isn't it? It's just hope. And that's all we can really um, think about is just hoping that something will work out. Absolutely. And it's, it's powerful. It's powerful mm, yeah. you know, to have hope. Um, when you lose sight of that, that can be, uh, you know, that can be a dangerous zone to get in. And and, and I think you are so mindful um, the whole way along. You started the conversation. You've just said it again about how, you know, some people will essentially find this a very inspiring and hopeful conversation. Others will find mm. it really challenging. And, and mm. some people might just find it really difficult to 
to hear because perhaps it's the end of the road in terms of their own fertility journey or whatever it mm. might be. And and yeah. and, you know, you're very mindful of that. And, and as, as am I. Um, and it's. Yeah, you are. You know, but but in saying that we, we all we can do is speak our own truth um, mm. and and share and our own experience. To, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I really strongly feel that by sharing our stories and sharing our experiences and, you know, our raw emotions um, is the only way that we can really help to support others going through it. I just can't bear the idea of anyone going through it alone or going through it um, feeling ashamed or embarrassed. You know, there's nothing to feel ashamed about. Um, it's, it's whatever is going on in our bodies at any particular time. You know, it's nothing to feel embarrassed about. And I never want anyone to feel like I did, which was that my body was broken in some way or dysfunctional. Um, you know, so it's about being able to speak openly about this subject and to to normalize the fact that it unfortunately, unfortunately is a common occurrence for for so many couples out there. And, you know, it's it's just the human body we're discussing and it's um, we're all aware of how human reproduction works or it doesn't work. And, you know, it's just being able to speak about it without shame and embarrassment yeah. and stigma, I think, is really an important starting point. And that's why I suppose, you know, you know, you especially, but so many others as well, I think have felt and I have felt empowered by hearing you speak to speak mm -hmm. more honestly myself. And and, you know, we know a lot of people, not just in the public eye, but who are maybe don't have a public profile, who are speaking now in a very mm -hmm. positive an yeah. open way about their experience and, and normalizing the conversation. And you've done such a huge service to, to actually move that along. Um, can we can we fast forward then to November um, when the boys were born? Because obviously there's only I think there's only three days between a year <laughs> and three days between Sophia and Hugo and Oscar being born. So, yes. Well, originally they were well from the beginning, my consultant said, you know, you're you're going to have to have a um, a planned C-section delivery because of the nature of the pregnancy in the shared placenta. He felt it was the safest option for for me and the, the boys. Um, so that was planned for the 23rd of November which is two days after Sophia's birthday. She turned one on the 21st. Mm. And but I went in for sort of my last scan. I was having weekly scans towards the end. So I went in on the 17th for routine scan, little checkup before the, the following week. So it would have been five days or six days before they were due. And the the doctor found what he called placental resistance. So it meant that one of the twins, Oscar, had been getting more blood and more nutrients than Hugo. And Oscar had grown, I mean, something like nearly a pound in the previous fortnight, whereas Hugo had only grown by two ounces. Okay, yeah. um, so this triggered a little bit of panic, even though they, they all stayed very calm and professional, of course. But I, I think there was a bit of panic because I was brought in. I was asked to, to go home pack my or grab my hospital bags, which were already packed, and um, which is a good reason to, to pack hospital bags in advance, just in case of emergencies, yeah. um, to grab my bags, say goodbye to Sophia and get back into hospital. So, I mean, I was leaving the hospital at two o'clock and I had to be back in at four. And they gave me a shot of a steroid shot to, um, you know, speed up lung development in the twins. So I flew home, had a bite to eat, gave Sophia a hug and went back into hospital where I was monitored then. The, the boys' heartbeats were monitored, um, you know, quite a lot that evening when I lay in bed. And then they were delivered the following morning. So they were born on the 18th of November, which is three days. It was three days before Sophia's first birthday. Wow. But it's quite nice. I mean, it means for three days of the year, they'll all be the same age. Yeah. Um, we've actually planned a little photo shoot for the 19th of November, so next month. So... Um, we'll have three one-year-olds in the photo, which will be quite <laughs> sweet. And as the boys are growing, I mean, they're, they're fairly big boys at this stage. And there's not a huge amount of size difference really between them. Um, so yeah. it'll be nice to see um, our, our three one-year-olds in the photo. Um, wow. But, you know, I was I was very lucky again that this um, issue with the placenta was caught and Hugo was fine. Um, it was only happening, I think, in the last couple of weeks. It wasn't um, and then going on before that because sure. they'd been growing very evenly before that. Um, but Hugo was a little bit smaller when he came out. But, you know, I'm just 
very grateful that they were born safely. And, I, you know, I think you don't properly relax really until they've been born and you hear the first cry and, you know, that everything is OK. Yeah, for sure. Um, for yeah. sure, because I'm 30, I'm 35 weeks now. <laughs> yeah. You, you say, you know, it, this is why you should have the hospital bag ready. And I'm thinking, yeah, oh yeah. why don't I have my <laughs> hospital bag ready yet? So I need to prioritize. I keep saying this week, this week, I'm going to pack it. This week, I'm going to pack it. But yeah. I actually have to actually pack it. Yeah, um, just in case there's any, totally. any last minute things. <laughs> totally, because as you said, you, you just don't know. So numbers are a huge thing for you. We, you know, we've we've whenever we've spoken and I've heard you mention it and it's in the book as well about you know the importance of uh particularly 11 11 and again yeah November, i can't believe it's the 11th i just i know there i just realized know, that that's the thing i and again bizarre. it's not deliberate we did not know no. it was more of a convenience thing you were on the late late on friday i wanted to have the chat with you and i'm trying to get my last few podcasts recorded before I go on my own maternity leave. So it was simply a case of you were available on Monday. I didn't even know what date it was. And here yeah. it is. It's the, it's the 11th of October again. I barely um, know what day it is anymore. So. I know. I'm I'm due in November. I obviously, when we spoke last year, I had no idea. Um, I was hoping that we'd get pregnant again, but I had no idea. And here we are. You know, it's... Yeah. it's but it's, it's, it's lovely. It's all these little... And some people might be a little bit cynical about it, but I definitely think that whatever gives you comfort and whatever makes you feel like you're on the right path, I think is, is a wonderful and powerful thing to, to cling on to as well. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, I just feel there's no mistake in a lot of these things happening. And you mentioned it earlier on, the power of letting go. It's yeah. sometimes it's the most challenging thing to do when you want something so hard. It's it, the idea of letting go of, of knowing how it's going to come about. It can, can sound like, impossible to be honest but actually that that it's so powerful if you if you can allow yourself to get to a space where you know you can let go of needing to understand how something is going to work out and and I suppose yeah. as you said with your knowing that your surrogate was 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 happy and and wanting to go again for you guys that that took the pressure off and that it, it almost kind of released a valve um, emotionally, mentally, and obviously physically as well, to allow a bit of magic to to trickle in. Yeah, I I do strongly feel that whatever happened with those series of events early last year, it, it just released all this anxiety and worry and stress in me. And you know, but as I said as well, it's it's very hard. You can't just tell somebody to relax and it'll happen. Um, because you know, as we we all know, we have to think about um the the ovulation days and when you can actually get pregnant. But sure. I definitely do think that that worked for me. And you do hear stories, I suppose, of, of people getting pregnant on holiday or, you know, at times when they're probably more relaxed and, and forgetting about sort of the stresses of everyday life. Um, but yeah, I think certainly in my case, I can't speak for anyone else, but certainly in my case, um, there was something maybe, and it was maybe anxiety and and just general everyday stress that was preventing a pregnancy from developing normally, whatever was happening in my own sort of physiology. And of, of course, the, the irony, and I've talked about it in the book as well, the irony was that um, the more I couldn't have a baby, the more I threw myself into work and travel and trying to stay busy. And I think I I, I was scared to to be alone with my thoughts or to spend too much time unoccupied where I would have to think more and more about the fact that we didn't have a family. So, you know, looking back, I did probably completely the wrong thing for, for my body and for my chances of having a sex, successful pregnancy, which was, you know, be even more busy or more occupied um, and put more stress on myself. But, you know, it's easy to to look back and realise these things once you've been through them. But, yeah. you know, I, I suppose if I could give any advice and, you know, my book or my story isn't obviously intended or isn't, I'm not in a position to be able to say, well, this will work and this won't work and, you know, do this, don't do that. But if I can give any advice, I suppose, it's just to really be good to yourself if you're going through um, a battle with fertility or if you're trying to, to get pregnant and nothing is happening, you know, be kind to yourself and take the time to relax and just de-stress and, you know, reduce the cortisol levels in your body and, um, 
even though I'm I'm terrible for always trying to be productive and not relaxing enough, but there you go. I suppose I'm not trying at the moment or at all. Um, but you know, just be good to yourself and do take the time to um, relax. And um, I think we've all realised, or a lot of us, even people well, from talking to people at least in the last year is that nobody really wants to go back to the busyness of life before COVID. Um, I think we've all learned an awful lot about the power of just slowing down and being present and being mindful and um, the fact that actually what is valuable in life is kind of the smaller things, the, the everyday, the simple moments. And, you know, for us, we don't get out that much. We go for our, our, long walks in the morning and we usually go to the park and bring the kids to the playground but I mean we don't get out of the house that much um, alone Mm. without the kids Um, but you know for us it's just special being at home and watching them play together and you know it's just all those simple everyday moments that are meaningful now for us Um, and there's you know there's great power in just appreciating the small things and I think a lot of us didn't do that pre-pandemic you know I remember I remember thinking, well, it hasn't been a a fun week if I haven't kind of been to dinner or been to an event or, you know, gone away for the weekend. You know, I was always pushing to go away or, you know, my brothers live in London, so I always wanted to visit them and go to events or go to the theatre or, you know, do things. I felt like I was I was never happy just being in my own company um, or just relaxing at home. So, um, you know, it's certainly taught us a lot about um just enjoying just being at home and enjoying kind of your own your own company and yeah comfy gear and just chilling out yeah 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 so before I let you go what is a typical day like because I get the feeling from you that you know you you you're you guys are obviously really hands-on and I know your mum is is a great help as well but I am I right in thinking that you you don't really have a lot of other help necessarily no, we don't. Well, we don't have childcare um, at the moment. We did have a little bit of help over the summer um, just so we could, you know, go to dinner. And we did get out a couple of times um, to go for dinner over the summer and um, a couple of times Wes and I went to lunch. But it does take a lot of planning to yeah, of you know, get the help and get the days and times organized. And even before going out, having to get, you know, make the, the meals or the bottles or, you know, all of that there's quite a bit of planning but yeah at the moment it's me and Wes at home my mum's here every day she's just been fantastic and you know we say to her take the day off <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. relax and she says but I'd miss the babies oh, <laughs> so I mean she she just loves it all and she she loves babies anyway but you know she waited those few years anyway to have grandkids and now she has them she's just soaking up every moment as well and my dad's great and uh, my brothers live in London but when they're over they're a huge help too um but yeah at the moment we're just enjoying it all and it's very hands-on I mean it's chaotic and it's noisy and it's messy and um (laughs) all all of those things but um we've got a routine and they're they're sleeping through well we were up in the night with one of the twins, Hugo, he's getting a front tooth at the moment and oh, he's yeah. in bits with teething. But Oscar has eight teeth and Hugo has seven with the eighth coming down now. Yes. So oh. it's been an intense few months of teething. Um, but apart from that, they are sleeping well and we're just quite rigid with routines and nap times and um, getting them fed at the same time so that we all get a little bit of a break during the day. Um, but yeah. yeah, we're just enjoying it. And, you know, time goes so fast with them. And one moment they're tiny and the next they're they're running around. So um, oh, we're completely. just trying to embrace it all. Yeah. And before you know it, you know, you'll have four year olds and three year olds and you'll be thinking, like, where did that go? Because like we have yeah. that now where we're kind of going, I, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, how do we go back to the baby stage? I feel like I have amnesia. I've for, completely forgotten what it's like. Mm. What it's like mm. to have a small baby because... <laughs> well, baby brain. Yeah, baby brain is, is real. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, it is, co- yeah. it's so real. But like the fact that Cahal is so, our little boy is four and he's so independent and, and easy to manage, but we have to go back. But look, we're delighted and, and looking forward to it. But um, you're in the thick of it now. Um, but the great thing is, I suppose, they'll grow up as great little pals to each other and be so close in age that, you know, so many of their experiences will be so similar as well because they're, 
they're so close and um, I'm just really excited for you and I love to follow you on Instagram and and, and see your brilliantly hilarious reels that you put up from time to time. And I find that when I'm extra sleep deprived, that's when I do those silly videos. They're brilliant. And um, I know I'd love to do kind of more of it, but just finding the time, um, certainly from about kind of four o'clock in the afternoon up until they're all in bed, kind of seven, half seven, I barely even look at my phone. It's just so busy between, you know, bottles and dinner and bath and bedtime. It's just mayhem um but you know there are so many funny scenarios every day in our house like yesterday we found Sophia trying to brush the dog's teeth <laughs> she passed, you know her own toddler toothbrush oh, and no. I looked around and poor Leo one of our dogs had the toothbrush in his mouth kind of going <laughs> and she was there trying to brush his teeth and then oh, just things happened then today one of um, the twins Oscar was in his walker and I had the fridge open just getting bits and pieces out and he grabbed the the lower shelf where you keep kind of Carson's of things and just wrenched the whole thing oh, out. No. <laughs> broke, I mean, broke the, the braces on either side. And we were looking at him going, where, where is that strength coming from? So just mad things happen every moment of the day and you just have to roll with it yeah. and embrace all the mess and the crumbs and the chaos, and yes. the spillages and all of that. Um but yeah, it's, it's it's mad, but I think you just adapt somehow to a certain level of chaos. And yeah. mayhem, I think and I just do the cleanup then when they're all in bed and, you know, disinfect the floors and do all of that once they're asleep. Yeah. And just and try and keep reset. on top of it. Yeah, exactly. And then you miss them. I mean, I, I find I can't wait until bedtime when I'm kind of tired by the afternoon. But then when they've been in bed an hour, I find myself looking at pictures and videos of them and missing them. I know, and that never so, stops. Um, that never stops. Like we still do that every night where we go into Cahill when he's fast asleep. Yeah. Such similar experiences. And then you kind of wish that you could have a break and just go out and be an adult and, you know, meet a friend for lunch or something. And then you feel guilty for doing it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's all of the, it's juggling. I mean, isn't that what parenthood is about? Yeah. Just, but you're you're bringing juggling to a whole new level. Um, yeah, so you're yeah, like I, a circus I just, act here. <laughs> <laughs> you're fantastic and fair play to you. You're, you're obviously such a great team, not just yourself and Wes, but your mum as well being so hands on and uh, yeah. look I'm excited you know in next month is a, is a big month you're going to have your photo shoot you're going to have your birthdays and then sorry you're giving birth next month forget about my <laughs> month November is your month um, <laughs> actually both of our months sure. my, my three were all born in November as well so it's yeah. again it's the 11th um, it's you know special special month and it's a lovely month to have babies I think because you can just sort of get cozy and um, comfy in your home then and you know the evenings are dark and it's cold and you can really just hibernate then it's nice to have a winter baby yeah I'm really looking forward to it I really am yeah uh, Rosie thank you it was such it was so gorgeous to chat to you again and um, you know I know everybody listening is just going to be beaming smiling listening to you um, oh. thank you for your time because I know you know time is precious and Sophie is about to wake up any minute so she's moving a bit I'm watching okay. her monitor here yeah. but I think we've done really well <laughs> done brilliantly thank yeah. you we have thank you so much and it's such a pleasure to talk to you again and you know well done for all you're doing on raising awareness um, about miscarriage and oh. um, you, you've really been so sensitive and so um, kind to everyone in the way you've gone about it as well and um, I'm just so pleased for you that you've got your your baby on the way and it's all worked out for you as well oh, that you've means been so through much. a difficult time and um, you know, so I just hope it all goes so well for you next month Thanks a million. That's That means so much to me. It really does. Okay, loads and loads of love and I'll catch up with you soon. Lots of love. Talk to you soon. Bye, hon. Bye. Thanks, Thank Sheila. you. Bye. And Rosie's beautiful book, When Dreams Come True, The Heartbreak and Hope on My Journey to Motherhood, is available to buy online or in-store now. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please show your support. It only takes a minute and I'd be so grateful. You can leave a rating or a little comment on Apple or you can simply click follow on Spotify. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.